Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Can you hear me yet? Hell yeah, I can. How are you, dude? Good. How are you? Hi. Sorry about that, man. Don't you worry. How are you? Good to see you. Hey, you too. Hang on a second. Just stuck on my hair. <laughs> I need to put it on the other side of the headphones. Real life dread problems all the time. I need to put my hair on the other side of the headphones or it sticks on the back. There we go. <laughs> there. Rock and roll. Melvin, I don't I don't know if you remember. Um I was down at the Beautiful Days Festival in Devon with Ben from Slam Dunk and uh we spent the day partying together and at the end, because it was your last festival day of the year, you gave me um a bag of vegetables because you because you couldn't take them home and you were like i can't go back on the plane with these so you have them (laughs) you made the end of my summer that was like the last weekend of the summer and it was just it was a beautiful day at beautiful days oh so glad awesome yeah i think i do remember i remember you i remember that day i remember meeting you as well in the conversation some of the conversation I said this to Mike, I had Mike on the show the other week, and I said this to him, so I'll share a memory with you. When I was 16 years old, my first festival was Leeds, so obviously Reading and Leeds Festival in the UK, and I picked up my GCSE school results, which is like end of high school, that morning. I'd got A's and B's, I'd done really well, 
I stormed it up to Leeds on the coach, my friend, and it was the first time seeing No Effect live. And you guys, for me as a kid, I heard that live album. I heard They Suck Live. And in that record, for me, was everything that I came to love about punk rock, from the humor, like the self-deprecating nature of that, to the, the political and social awareness to the obviously celebration of having a good time and, you know, flipping concepts on their heads, like a hardcore song about Orthodox Jews. And they're saying, kill all the white men one minute and then don't call me white the next. It blew my mind, man. And then I got down to Leeds Festival after, because at that time you didn't really do press um, and you didn't really tour the UK very often. This is 2002. So you come over every few years. And so I was so excited to see you play. I'm right at the front of the crowd. You know, there's however many, 60,000 people, whatever. And I start a sing-along of The Bruise with a guy next to me. And it turns into basically the whole festival singing, Friday night, Will. And you guys come on and you play it. Long story short, no effects for me are the most important band of my life. And so to meet and hang out with you and Mike that day and connect with you both and share drinks and whatever else with you, it was, it was a life highlight for me. It was a fucking, it was a beautiful day, beautiful days. It was a beautiful day. Yeah, nice. Wow, thanks. What a cool story. Wow, yeah, I, re- I kind of remember that lead show. Not really, but. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's going back, God, 20 years nearly now. Yeah, I know, right? And this year, I mean, how far off 40 years are no effects now? Two years? We're about a, well, yeah, uh, two years away. Yeah, yeah, right. 2023, it'll be 40 years. Does that, I mean, I know when you were doing the book, you would have been reliving all the past, but that must blow your mind, 40 years. Yeah. I, I actually just said it maybe for the first time a couple of days ago. I was talking to somebody and I kind of went like, whoa. I think I was anticipating it when we hit 35. I was like, oh, 40's coming next, but it's really coming up now. But man, this, I mean, you know what this past year has been like. It just was like, wow, do we, yeah, do we even exist anymore? You know, was that all we had? You know, was like the live shows? Cause it was, it's a huge part of us. It is a huge part of us. It's what we live to do and what we like. It was part of the design of the band was to play live. And then it was just taken away, just pulled right out from under us. Like it was for everybody, but like uh, us, it was like, it's part of who we are. So now what, you know? Um, I have a, I have a bunch of questions for you off the back of that. If you don't mind me jumping in. Let's do it, man. That's what we're here for. First of all would be, for me, no effects are a band that bond on the road from what I've seen. Yeah. It seems to me that you and Mike are extremely close friends. I imagine you're all close, but it seems like when you're on the road is when you bond. And that's when you solidify the the relationships and the friendships. So have you been doing anything in the absence of touring? Have you been doing stuff like this? Or have you just been distant and disconnected from each other? Like, How has it been for no effects, the four of you, over the last 12 months, keeping those relationships? It's been tough. We were all, you know, we, we talk a lot. Um, it's been like, uh, well, over the life of the band, it was, um, we would tour a lot and we would tour for a long time then. So we'd spend a whole three months of the summer on tour. And then when we go home, we like wouldn't talk to each other for quite a while. You get it done, you get it in, and then you get out. Well, we'd seen and smelled each other plenty for months, you know? 
and um and lived like you know amazing times and horrible times you know all together and uh so we used to do it that way then um it sort of morphed over time as we got older i think we all just i mean i know i did personally start to value uh these people in my band as like family more and more over time as the band continued and um uh in the last like four or five years i moved from san francisco down to san diego and uh you know found some new friends in this new city and that put even more into perspective how these guys are they know me like nobody else and i know them like nobody else and we you know if you need somebody to talk to you kind of need somebody who understands you and those guys are it for me, you know, uh, Smelly in particular and Mike and I are very close and Hefe and I are very close too. We're all super close. One positive thing that came out of the pandemic was we decided to start actually having Zoom meetings as band, as a band every week. Just the four of you. Just, well, yeah, we got Kent on there too, you know, once Kent started managing. So that was cool. And sometimes we um, don't even, I mean, I guess we always talk a little bit of business, but there's like almost nothing to talk about, you know, like, wait and see, wait and see, what do we want to do? Well, let's hope, you know, Um, I mean, we do have plans of of more live streams, but anyway, so, um, you know, seeing that, seeing each other on a weekly basis, it's been, I don't know that we ever did that ever, you know, even back in the day when we were just finding places to rehearse as a three piece, we didn't even rehearse every week, you know? So we've, we've taken like quite a journey. It sounds like a very healthy one as well. Yeah. You know, this past year was pretty stressful for everybody, including us. And, uh, we, uh, you know, I think we reached out with each other and to each other and um, talked a bit about like the stressfulness of it and what are you doing now? And what am I doing now? And um, everybody's doing something different. You know, Smelly's uh, started shaping surfboards sometime last year and it was always a dream of his to do that. Uh, and he, he finally had a reason to do it or, or a need or whatever you want to call it, you know? Um F.A. had gotten into acting. It was always a passion of his, and he really took it up um, full time. I mean, over the last few years, but obviously he had nothing else to do with the band in the past year. Even that record that we're about to release didn't, uh, we, we really recorded most of it the year before. 2019 was most of it, you know? 2020 was like bits and pieces to to like, you know, finalize things so the record didn't require much of us in 2020 um what have what have you been up to melvin how have you been staying centered and and hopeful and sane because these are the things which we've had to learn how to do right totally yeah re-examine everything not examine exactly but just look at what we're doing and like now what yeah. Who, who am I? Who do I want to be? Because I know I, I tour as a DJ a lot. And when you're on the road for that time, 
you're caught up in the cycle and it's just, you know, you're kind of living in the moment all the time. It's always on to the next and there's never really any time to think. And you never, and then as you say, when you're home, then it's quality time at home and you enjoy that. And then it's off out on the road again. There's not really any time where it's individually us stood looking into the mirror and going, who is this human being? Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And there's been, and there's been a hell of a lot of that this year. And sometimes that can be, I think at first difficult because you're like, Oh God, I've got to confront certain things now. I have to. There's nowhere to run and hide. But then I think once you get through that kind of initial hurdle and barrier, that's when the good work, the internal work really begins. That's certainly what I've found. And I'm guessing somebody who's a deep, introspective, kind of sensitive guy like, you know, I, I would say you are, even though we've only had minimum encounters. I imagine there's been a lot of that going on with you too, in a positive way. Yeah. And on that note, I, I mean, I, I started um, at the end of last year and into this year, I started looking into what's called coaching, life coaching. Also, some call it mentoring. Um, and I was reading up on it and looking at different online universities. And I found one that I really liked. And it started uh, in January. So not that long ago. But it's been, you know, every week full of assignments and reading and um, coaching each other, students, other students in the class. And uh, I love it. I really love it. You know, it fits really well with my, um, my life, what I've done. You know, I was, if you know from the book, or I'll just tell you anyway, that uh, um, as a teenager, I was into, uh, before I found punk rock, I was in the Boy Scouts. and. Um, when I became a punk rocker, I was still like actively a boy scout and camping. And I went through the process of getting my Eagle Scout certification, which, you know, included a community service project. There was two to get there. And so, you know, I was, uh, this punk rocker boy scout who also discovered, uh, minor threat and straight edge movement, uh, uh, you know, through minor threat um, and what that meant. Not, not like the straight edge that happened kind of after that was seemed to take a different turn. You're talking about the self-empowerment aspect and PMA and yeah, thanks. Exactly. Engaging with the community in a positive way and, and being, and being like truly sociable, right? It was about connect in, encouraging connections between human beings that were grounded in reality. Right. Yeah, yeah. Connections, exactly. Connecting with human beings. Totally. So that's what um, I discovered um, that coaching does that. That's, that's like the purpose of a coach is to connect and to help a person connect to themselves. And, um, and as I read more and did more of the assignments, uh, I was like, oh my God, I love this. You know, I can't believe this took so long to find. And uh, thank God I found it. And so like another like positive to the pandemic kind of, you know, um, was I, I may not have seriously pursued this. And so I started coaching um, uh, outside clients. I mean, I did, I started with by telling my no effects fan base what I'm doing and seeing if anybody out there is interested. And I got quite a few already and I've been booking and, and coaching with clients and um, taking off with that. It's, it's really great. And it's really challenging. And 
again, back to that, that part of, of looking inside myself, you know, so everybody I talk to, there's always something that they're dealing with that resonates within me. And then I feel the emotions of that. And as part of coaching, you know, I'm meant to sort of acknowledge that and see it as a possible lens through, through which I uh, see the person I'm coaching, see their predicament or their life, whatever they're going through and make sure I'm not, um, you know, I don't know, like acting onto them or projecting onto them what my own fears are. Yeah. Well, for me, it seems like you've had the life of training because when you're in a band, you have to really learn how to navigate the seas of other people's personalities. And I think that from what, again, I've come to understand from no effects. And I think you guys have, have opened the door and invited people in much more than most bands. You know, the book that you guys put out was so raw and vulnerable and honest. Um, so you guys have clearly been there for each other. And that's obviously been great grounding for you in that regard. And also, I think that when human beings go through quite painful experiences, like I know from reading the book that you have, I think that makes you an empath, you know, and it makes you, I don't know, you've just got the the understanding of what it's like to go through a very hard time. And so you can really be there as a, a shoulder or an ear or a friend when people find themselves in similar positions, right? Because you've been there and you know. Yeah, yeah, you can feel it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and that's like something I'm learning from coaching is that that particular part of it is that lens and like acknowledging your own sensitivities to things. And yeah, it is. It's enabling. It helps. It's empowering to help uh, have empathy for somebody else. However, there's also a part of coaching, you know, it's all about, there's a lot of guidelines and ethics involved that we learned in the very first week. <laughs> um, a dear friend of mine is a therapist. And so I completely understand the, you can't be emotionally invested, right? That's what they teach you. And that's probably the hardest thing for someone like you that is such a sensitive person is I really need to help this person, but I know to do that, I can't get too in the middle of it. Right, right. You don't want to, Yeah. You, you want to try and just, uh, yeah, I don't know the words for it, but yeah, not let yourself give like an objective piece of advice, right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, asking more questions rather than giving advice. And, um, you know, the coaching part is not, not so much therapy, uh, but it, it is kind of because it's listening, you know, it's listening and connecting. And, uh, but, but more concerned with like a goal or trying to find a goal or looking towards a path and where you're going rather than maybe looking at, um, some traumatic thing in the past and trying to heal that, you know? Yeah. It's about the future, not the past. Yeah. Yeah. But that was uh, another interesting point that you brought up is I, I felt this and enjoyed it as a musician of, trying to be like sensitive, like, like my, have my radar always on, you know, because you, you pick up like uh, nuances between two people having a conversation across the room or something. And that's life, you know, that's real life and you're living it and feeling it hopefully and making notes of it and maybe using it at some point in a song reference or something, you know, to um, 
show the world like, hey, we all go through this thing where we have a difficult conversation with somebody in the corner of a room, you know, something for instance. So that's kind of like bonding us. Um, but um, yeah, so this having your sensitivity open and leaving yourself in this open place yeah, it does like open yourself up to, well, it op- I find sometimes that I'm, I get really uh, emotional over some things, you know, and I just have to like take, take a second or several days <laughs> maybe. And, you know, and just kind of like, uh, <laughs> I, I'm exaggerating. When I say it's several days, you know, but it's definitely not just a second. No. Well, you, you raised something there, Melvin, that I think, I'm definitely aware of and have become more aware of over the years is however hippie you want to get or not, but there's certainly the world is made up of energy. And if you are in tune with it, you can, as you say, go into a local coffee shop if they're open (laughs) pre pandemic times and you can vibe off two individuals and their conversation with each other without eavesdropping or being rude, but from body language and things like this, you can tell the energy that's going on inside of all of us and how they relate with other people. And, you know, if somebody's having a bad day, I think if you're in tune, you can sense without them even opening their mouth where they're, where they're almost at because of what they're the, you know, the, the vibrations that they're giving off. Yeah. 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 It just, it's a, it's a thing, you know, like having your radar on or your sensitivities open or awareness open, being mindful, you know, there's a lot of terms that refer to that same thing. Um, another th- thing that we're actually, I was just reading this week or last week, I guess it's already a new week um, is uh, uh, being that, that we are, you know, beings who we are is, is a big part is, of that is from uh, what we experience in our reality, what we see and what we hear and what we've lived. And that includes things like language, um, the words that we use. And so sometimes, yeah, you see somebody, you and I might go into the coffee shop together and we see two people having a conversation and we're both picking up, let's say, whatever's going on there. But you and I might still come away with something different than what those what, what we thought was going on. And that's based on what's going on inside of you and based on what's going on inside of me. And some of that stuff is really, it's very interesting. And it can also be very like alarming because it's like, kind of like, well, then what is reality? You know? (laughs) Well, I think, I think I've come to learn this year that the reality really is just how we as an individual interact, engage, perceive the situation around us. And obviously when you take drugs and you experiment in that way, the, the doors are opened as Holders Huxley said, and you, you can appreciate that reality is actually a kind of lucid or, or I don't know what the word would be transient thing. And you can sometimes lose your grasp on it. And, and that can be both daunting and terrifying, but also liberating and exciting as well, because really I've been chatting to a few people over the last couple of months and people are like, Oh my God, we're almost a year into this thing. I feel, I feel like my life's on hold. And you can look at the statistics and go, well, yeah, maybe you haven't got to go to a concert, you haven't eaten out, you haven't hung out in a group. All of these things might seem like your quote-unquote life is on hold, but really your life exists inside your own head. That's the only place your life exists. So if you can still cultivate your mind, your soul, your friendships, your relationships, and, and still have experiences, you are still living, and, and only you can change that. 
And that's what I think is really cool is it is it goes back to that PMA thing of individual empowerment and how we as individuals choose to engage with the world. That's reality, isn't it? Yes. And, and that also that the how you choose to engage with the world, because whatever comes in and you process it, then you're, you're able to put something back out into the world to connect with somebody or disconnect, you know, or whatever it is you're doing. But, um, then you're also sort of like, you know, putting some, putting some vibes out there, putting the energy out there or words, straight up words. And, um, you know, and you choose what those are and, and what kind of effect you're wanting to have on that other person. Maybe you have it, maybe you don't, but you know, um, the PMA thing is like, you know, it, it steers you towards the positive side and putting something out there that's, connecting and now i wouldn't say that i'm you know i think every time i think of pma over the last 10 years i think of my friend toby morris from h2o and he is like a you know a a model a mentor you know i don't want to like say some words that might you know overdo it for him because i just think he's an awesome person he's a he's a bundle of positive energy is what he is isn't he yeah and he and i you know i mean we H2O and NoFX have had a great relationship for a long, such a huge long time. We played shows together forever and ever way back. And, um, but yet we're, we're so kind of different, you know, in the structure of the band and the personality of the band, yet we connect great, you know, and, and it's punk rock. Yeah. And, and, uh, the, the, I think, well, like, well, my PMA maybe, you know, like kind of gets resonated when I'm around those guys, you know? And, uh, I know that like, uh, Smelly and I used to have a lot of that, you know, more skateboarding straight edge kind of thing. Um, Mike was a little bit more of like, he was like the misfits punk, you know, um, slightly different, um, genes or whatever, a variety of punk, but, and then it was funny. There was a whole long time of just like, no effects was in this like i don't know golden era and it was like we were playing tons of shows and traveling all over the world and there was lots of like you know rock star stuff nice restaurants and lots of drinks and lots of alcohol and whatever else there was to find and to do and sort of losing ourselves in that and i know that i like lost myself in that quite a bit and uh, i don't regret any of it at all I, i'm glad that i've I found a place where I was like, hmm, this is too much now, you know, I'm not enjoying these things so much anymore. So I still do, you know, I still do enjoy drinking or whatever else I can get my hands on. But, and then if you can't finish it, you'll pass it on to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. There's always somebody to pass it on to. No, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I have a different relationship with it and I still love it. And I still plan on, you know, making use of all of it at some point but um i was chatting to mike about it and you know i think he obviously loses his way then finds his way then loses his way then finds his way and that's kind of his ongoing thing that i think he accepts and knows but one thing we were talking about is when you're doing it right and you're not misusing those powers it does cultivate connections in the same way it's a different route or routes, as you guys might say, but the destination is the same thing, which is you're, you're after truth, you're after connection, you're after a deeper understanding. It's just a different, you know, Toby has his method and, and you know, Mike 
has his and those two might seem diametrically opposed but actually the end game is the same isn't it 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 is yeah i I agree i agree it is i mean i remember when we first started uh doing lots of partying with the band and with the crew and stuff and people around and there was lots of like there were conversations till you know the sun came up about like literally saving the world and like you know righting wrongs and things like that and and that was that that did happen in that time it, it cannot be like uh un, unacknowledged or it cannot be you know uh, i can't think um was this around the war on errorism rock against bush kind of era or was it a little bit later or a little bit before i would say even. it was yeah you know and then um we still kind of carried that but we, we I, I think that uh it started to become too much uh the the habit just took over you know and um is that why the tour cycles got reduced i i think so you know the tour cycles got reduced for other reasons as well like we tried to look at the bigger picture of touring and like you know we didn't want to go to too many places too often because we wanted to try to keep cultivating like interest you know the height of the interest as much as possible um but yeah a bit of the parting was it was just like too much because you know you end up I mean, if you're doing some something just too much, it's like it takes over. You're not doing it, some of the other things. You're saying too much yes to that. You're saying no to something else. You know, um, there would be like, for starters, just like sleeping in the whole rest of the next day or whatever. And when you're traveling to cool places, you want to see them, don't you? I do. Yes. And we always did, you know. And it was funny. It, it, it became a thing. Uh, I could see the change like in Mike, you know, where – you know, we were like, uh, let's say China maybe, and we were going to go for the day to see the Great Wall. You know, we're like, we got to go see it. Let's go. You know, there's like a, somebody will take us. There's an outing. Let's go. And he started using these terms. He started saying doing stuff is overrated. And I was kind of, ha ha, you know, yeah, that's funny. That's really funny. You know, but are you going or not? You know, you're not really not going. Are you really not going? To one of the ancient wonders of the world. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right, right. We ended up a funny thing. We were, oh gosh, where were we? Uh, but somewhere like Indonesia, maybe, or Bali. And um, somewhere around there. And we were on this trip. And we were going to see this giant Buddha. And I don't know if this story ended up in the book or not. But we, we went. And it was like this kind of hellacious trip in a bus. And then this long hike. And it was hot. And, you know, we'd been traveling a lot then. So there's lots of flights and late nights and early mornings. And we're like, oh, man, so tired. And then we get there and we us like, oh, that's pretty big. Like, well, it is the second biggest Buddha. We're like, oh, second. Okay, second biggest. Cool. Second biggest Buddha, second biggest outdoor Buddha. We're like, oh, okay. So it's not even the actually biggest Buddha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the biggest or second biggest. It's second biggest outdoor. Like, and then something like another qualifier, like in Asia. We're like, oh. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Southeast Asia. <laughs> We're like, all right, we're really chasing something here, weren't we? And it felt a little silly. Americans, let's go see the biggest, you know, thing or whatever. Like, and as if that was important, more important. And we ended up seeing like this great Buddhist monastery. I think it was Buddhist. Maybe it was Krishna. And eating there and, and experiencing just like being in a huge group of like these followers that were, you know, and we're like looking like we were and just like, wow there's a whole life of, of, you know, people, 
there's old people living lives like this all over the place and we never see them because we're all in concert halls and whatnot. So, um, gives you great, it gives you great perspective and appreciation on the, the scope and scale of the world and really how small we all are. Cause when you get bogged down, sometimes I think in your own problems you can get trapped in your own head. But when you see the universe is so expansive and culture is so vast and to get out of your own and experience another, I mean, that's only going to be a positive experience, isn't it? It should be. It, I agree. It should be. I mean, back to this thing with, with, uh, you know, the, the substances, substance abuse and what happens with to your life around that, you know, it, 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 I heard this from him for quite a few years of, of that was like doing stuff's so overrated. You know, he wasn't going outgoing and the early days of no effects touring, you know, we used to do stuff all the time. We'd go swim in rivers and, you know, Boise, we did this thing where like you, you like water ski, but the river's moving fast and there's just a branch of a tree and you're just holding onto it and you're standing like on a piece of plywood and we're like surfing, you know, river surfing, you know, 1986. And we used to do stuff like that all the time. And, and, you know, he just was less and less doing the stuff and he'd get up an hour before the show or two, you know? And so he'd be on stage kind of like he just woke up and started drinking. It's like, that's no life, dude, you know? And, um, that, that was a tough time, you know, for, for me to try to connect with him. Um, but I think I was focused on I, I, that, that I saw that this wasn't really serving him, you know, this lifestyle. Yet he, he really thought he, it was. So who's right? You know, was I right? Because I knew my, my buddy wasn't really enjoying all these other things in life, but something, he felt like he was really enjoying something getting a lot of life out of something. Um, and then, you know, he ended up in rehab. Uh, and we'll see how long that lasts. And I hope it really does last a long time because now he's, you know, he's been out of rehab now for a couple of months. And uh, I don't know, when did you talk to him, by the way? Like two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, okay. Two weeks ago. And, and he said, like, what's been really great for me as i sort of mentioned at the start of this conversation is having respected and looked up to you guys so much for so long and i've done three interviews with mike over the last sort of eight months um all like an hour long for different things and have really kind of you know i wouldn't say gotten to know him a lot but certainly in in this context of these these recent months that the journey he's been on felt like i've gotten to know him quite a bit and i definitely think that he becomes a victim of his own mythology perhaps and and falls into that and as you say it's like he's such a great guy capable of so like when he posts things on his instagram and he's like on his detoxes he seems like such a positive great force and then and then i think you can see him get bummed out real quick when the the darkness settles in and it's kind of heartbreaking to see and it seems to me like you two are probably best friends in that band. I don't know if that's the case, but it seems like you two are so, so close. Yeah, we are. We're very close. We're, we're very close. Um, we're, you know, we've, we had a bit of a speed bump over this thing that, you know, that to get him into rehab, we tried, we tried to get him into rehab as a band. We tried to get together. We spent a lot of time talking about it between us and meeting with a, an interventionist 
who would understand it. And we talked to a couple different people and uh, we thought we found some good rehabs and, you know, it was just all pushback from him. And, you know, to be fair to him, you know, he was not speaking from his highest self by any means. And we were all so anxious and stressed out by his behaviors that it was, we weren't either, you know, Uh, we tried. Do you worry about him? Oh yeah. All the time. All the time. It's funny. He says he worries about me all the time. Yeah. We, we haven't spoken much, you know, in the last few months since, since rehab, you know, I I think he's trying to sort of find himself again, but I, I think that he thinks he's found himself. I think he thinks he found himself a long time ago and that all of this is just perfectly fine for him. Well, I think from, again, the little that I got to deduct from our time together is he's a super smart, high IQ kind of guy, Mike is, with a very overactive brain and mind. And that's why I've always looked up to and admired him. And I think he always likes to think, even if he isn't, that he's two steps ahead of the game because that's kind of his place of strength and confidence. Yeah, totally, totally. And he's, it's pretty rare, at least, I don't know. I mean, he and I have like a special relationship but that's got its own complications, but I think he, the, um, he might cling a little too much to that, to that mechanism or whatever that it, that he's got it worked out. It's it's a defense mechanism, isn't it? Ultimately we, we all have those and. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he loves that He, um, you know, he sees the world like n- nobody else does, or he sees certain things like nobody else does. And, and it's true, absolutely true. And, you know, um, so he thinks that's uh, enabled him to, you know, be able to live his life the way he, he does and be fine with it. And, you know, I disagree, but it's, it's hard. You know, we, um, we had quite a, we never really fought our whole lives together. You know, we had quite a lot of life living together, you know? Well, you've done everything, right? You've been everywhere. You've done everything. Highs, lows, and everything in between. <laughs> so true. And, uh, just this past year was, was more, you know, more fighting than ever and disagreeing and just like, I'm like, Whoa, who is this guy? You know, and he might be thinking the same thing from me. You know, uh, he and I talked about trying to find ways to patch up what's going on between us. And uh, it just hasn't happened, you know. Um, But it's also changed over the last few months, you know, uh, or less. Where I thought I knew what we needed, you know, to to patch things up. And I'm not sure. Still not. I'm not sure that that was what it was. Um. It's this year, man. This year has just thrown up so many challenges. I mean, what, you, what you're talking about in No Effects might not seem like a result of this year, but this year has really accelerated and intensified and magnified. I know so many friends that are going through divorces or you know, band troubles or personal issues. It has really thrown life into stark, intense focus, hasn't it? Or it's done quite the opposite of that and really, you know, shaken that Rubik's Cube up to such an extent that now people are scrambling to. Scrambling, exactly. And stressed out and anxious. And, you know, that's a hard place to uh, live from, you know, right? We're stressed out and we're 
anxious and we're trying to fix something and um and maybe always on the defense for what's what the what's the next thing that's going to go wrong you know because it was like gosh this past year i can't believe that you know we built for me personally you know we built the last almost 40 years on you know on this one thing i mean not the only thing but this one thing of playing live shows and that's just vanished and we're like oh my gosh i wasn't i wasn't ready either you know it was i mean i do have some savings so that's what i'm living off of. but yeah i know which i started in the 90s thank goodness so um there's that but that that's not going to last for very long and i thought that was um you know we we postponed all the 2020 may and june shows to may and june of 2021 and where are those now those are being pushed into the fall and then is even that going to happen and what hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, let me ask you this, man. Let me ask you this, because I would really love to know about Smelly's role in this band. Because reading the book, like, 
that guy is the the unsung hero of the book and the band and you know i've seen you guys live enough to know that he's he's holding it down beyond just as a drummer back there that there's something going on and he's keep he's keeping that thing on track and then you learn about the stuff that he's been through and this the story with his adopted daughter is one of the most beautiful and inspiring heartbreaking in the best way stories ever i'd love to get your take on the role of smelly in no effects and just that dude as a human yeah oh man wow i haven't thought that been asked that i mean to me he's he's a very sensitive and emotional person and he understands uh some of the mechanisms between people that happen you know um he's like a big brother to me um wow yeah and but he's also he's got a little bit of like a bit of avoidance which i think kind of runs through the whole band and family you know um kind of like if it ain't broke don't fix it and you know don't bring up sensitive things you know uh, even though maybe they need to be brought up you know, like, uh, he's the strong silent type is, is a phrase my dad would always say. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's maybe, he might be the most anxious of all of us too, which is kind of funny, but that's, but that's what he does. Like during the live show is he can, you can, you know, he'll, he'll be sitting there kind of enjoying the moments between songs. And then he starts just getting, you know, his, his clocks ticking and he starts tapping his sticks and we all know from because you guys are just bullshitting between each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is what I think people love about a no effect show is I love the idea that, you know, sometimes you'll talk for longer than you'll play music. I adore that. But he's obviously back like, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He also recognizes that it's like, you know, it's great to show the personality of the band through the live show and that that's a, you know, people enjoy it. He enjoys it too, of course. And then he's like, okay, enough is enough. And he starts click, 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 clicking his sticks. And we're all like, somehow our ears have over years. Have- <laughs> you snap back in the room. Like, oh yeah, we haven't played a song in 10 minutes. And we're only doing a 25 minute set. <laughs> so there's that. That's, that's great. Um, but it's been awesome having him and his temperament in, you know, during the, you know, trying to get Mike into rehab. Because I smell he's been through rehab and and apparently he went through, well, not apparently, but we know he's been through it a few times. And apparently that's pretty common for addicts to not just go once and be done. Isn't it amazing that he's been on the road for so many years whilst all this chaos has been happening as well as a sober guy keeping it together? That must have been challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we found, we found ways. You know, we we all have our things we do on the road. Sometimes we'll have a meal together. Sometimes we we don't. Sometimes we get to a city and we've got a day off and we don't see each other. Everyone just goes off in the city and we kind of pair off with our people who we like to, you know, vibe with. And he's got his like people, his support. And then I'll be like walking around the middle of some town square in Brussels or whatever, whatever. And and there he is on the other end of the corner and I kind of go over and go, Hey, what, what did you find? Like, Oh, I found a cool coffee shop over there. Whatever. Like really the museum's that way. Oh, cool. And then, and then we're like, we're like later, <laughs> you know, like very quickly, like, cause you know, we also, 
need to ground ourselves and sometimes get a bit of space. Yeah, exactly. And the personalities we just need to get away from. <laughs> what about Hefe as well? Because again, there's a long time, just, I would say super fan of the band growing up. Certainly for me, when he came into the fold and you made white trash, like I consider that the first proper official, legit, no effect album. And I don't know whether it's because Mike's songwriting was evolving in line with his arrival or whether he accelerated it or what, but you know, ribbed, I still think there's some good songs on there, but, it's like night and day for me. And then you get white trash and, and Hefe's obviously all over that with stuff like straight edge and boggly eyes and Johnny Appleseed. And there's the humor, there's the musicianship. What do you think his introduction into this band did for you guys in the early nineties? Oh yeah. Well, he, he, he did. He elevated us all as a band, you know, in our, in our skills as musicians, cause he would play stuff and we, I'd be like, Oh, I didn't think of that. Or I didn't, you know, Oh yeah, that of course it's a minor chord. That makes it sound so much better. And then playing something to accent that. Um, so he did that, and his singing, and he's got a, you know, he's got a great sense of humor. So we all just like had even more humor around us. Were the live shows funny before he was in the band, or was it again like that cemented the live dynamic as well? I'm not sure I can remember that far back. <laughs> Steve Kidweiler also has a great sense of humor, and he always has. So Steve Kidweiler was before Hefe, and he he did. But I'm not sure that we had the confidence of being a band, of of living our sense of humor in the live show. I don't think we had quite come out yet, you know. Um, We were sort of getting there as Steve left the band. Sorry, my my doctor came in for the no, don't worry. I don't mind about stuff like that. It's just real life. It's homeschooling. It's working. It's, it's you know, it's just, it is the quote unquote new normal, isn't it? You just got to roll with it. <laughs> I have twin daughters. They're, they're turning four. It's how I live my life. And I've, we live in a, it's like a two story place. So the bedrooms are upstairs, but it's, it's ex, uh, exposed to the downstairs. And this is where I sit. And I'm kind of like in a corner of the, the hallway. I'm not in, a, in my own room. Um, I just sit here and talk. So you can kind of see everything going on, keep an eye on everything. <laughs> right, yeah, totally, totally. My kids are doing school right there. I mean, not today. They're with their mom today, so, uh, but the girls are here and downstairs. And yeah, you can see, this is it. This is a little space. The makeshift studio. Uh, but yeah, but back to Hefe. So yeah, and he he has a very unique perspective as well that that is different than anybody else in the band. He is very practical and and very like practical kind of bare bones. Like he sees things in a very like, I don't know. Yeah. I guess just say practical again, practical sense that I think, you know, the rest of us might not quite get um, at first until he brings it up. Um, and of course he's got sense of humor with everything and everything. So sometimes, you know, that's the reaction you get out of him is he'll just joke about it. And you're like, okay, can we be serious now? And he'll be like, kind of like, he'll be like, what? And you're like, do you, do you know you're kidding right now? And of course he does, but you know, he, uh, he lives. It. Again, that's his defense mechanism is the humor, right? We've all got him. Yeah. Thank goodness. We all have them. Um, so there's that. Um, 
there's certain bands for me that you can't imagine anything changing in terms of the lineup i know you have karina as well she's an amazing addition she just brings so much not just to the live show but you know the the records that she's on when she appears i love her voice i love what she brings but what i mean is out of the four of you guys i don't think no effects could continue without one of you four in the same way so many other bad like a bad religion right they've had a couple of pretty key shifts and they've they've continued to function but i think with no effects it just it wouldn't work. Everyone would be like, eh. Yeah, I wonder that too. And that's cool. That's special. Yeah. Yeah, we're lucky like that. Um, when my girls were born, it was April, about almost four years ago. Um, a few months before, we had been offered a show. And um, it was right around when they were due. And I was like, hey, guys, I don't think I should go. You know, what do you want to do? And they're like, well, shoot, it's good money. It's it was at Flogging Molly Cruise out of Florida. I DJ'd it a couple of years ago. The best weekend of my life. So much fun. I haven't so been to one yet. I can't wait to go. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk some more about that in a minute. But uh, uh, so there was that trip. And then like a week later, a trip to Japan. And um, in all, it was like five shows, you know, the, the, these two in the U.S. and three in Japan. And I was like, guys, I don't think I can go because, like, my girl's going to be born any time. I don't want to be in Japan and, like, miss the birth of my daughter. And they're like, well, if it's okay with you, I'm like, yeah, go ahead. You know, let's get somebody else. So I, I trained uh, Roger from Less Than Jake to play. Uh, I didn't really train him. He, he already knew the song. But I, I, like, we sat on, like, a FaceTime, and I was like, well, the chord's this way. I played here, so it sounds like that because Effie's playing it here. So, you know, stuff like that. And uh, – so that was the only time no effects has ever played without Eric Melvin. And I know Roger, I've done tours of Roger and he, that was for him was like a dream come true. And obviously you've got similar hair to match as well, but I, I, I would imagine for me who loves Roger and loves no effects, it would have been a novelty, but it wouldn't have been no effects. It would have been no effect featuring Roger. Yeah. 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 I, I still never really, I mean, I didn't really talk about it much and I didn't, but I didn't hear that much back from people about how it was, how it went, you know, did he play that well? Did it sound good? I think I saw a piece of one video of him maybe playing the bruise. I didn't see, I wasn't on the cruise the year they played, but I've seen pictures and stuff and I've spoken to Roger and yeah, he was just like gushing. He was like, what an amazing, cause he obviously loves no effects. Something weird happened when it was like the Japan show. Cause less than Jake was supposed to play. Somehow they just like, didn't put it together it was the exact same day so he had to leave and steve garrett who was our tour manager at the time who's very close to the guys in bayside got anthony ranieri ranieri um from bayside to fly all the way to japan and play one show and um yeah it was it was pretty cool for him too so so in the whole history of no effects We've never done a show without Mike, never. Um, of course, he did play a few shows where he was like on crutches or, yeah, right, I know, he's sort of not there. But yeah, there were those. There were some where he played like on crutches, so he sort of wasn't present or he was on a couch or, he, you know, there were some of those. Um, there was years back in like the mid-'80s where we did like about a year of – some U.S. shows, 
without Smelly. Because he left and then came back, didn't he? Right, yeah, yeah. His dad was really sick at the time and they were going to do some family stuff and we wanted to do some U.S. dates. And that was like a spring. I think there was a winter tour that was 10 days through Texas and back. Uh, the spring was like to Idaho and back and then a full U.S. tour, summer tour. So he missed those, but um, that was a very long time ago. But yeah, and then of course, Hefe just joined the band, but um, just joined the band. <laughs> <laughs> the new guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we need to stop calling the new guy. It's it's funny. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you did the book and, you know, I mean, that book for me, I read, you know, autobiographies, music biographies, factual entertainment-based books all the time, mainly for research, for chats that I'm going to have for my show. And not just because I'm a big fan of the band, but that book for me is the best band book I've ever read. Because you peeled it back so brutally and unrelentlessly, obviously it would have been difficult for all of you guys as individuals to go to some of those places. But as a band, to open up you know, the story in such a way, did that create any difficulties in terms of how other bands perceived you or internal relationships because you don't see many bands opening it up in such a way because of whatever reasons politics or they don't want to offend or shake the cage or whereas you guys just went for it was there repercussions internally or i don't no i don't think so you know i mean it, it got a little weird i don't know i mean i i felt like i i you know i i felt really vulnerable with like my childhood experience you know um and then some of my family dynamic i felt like oh, i don't know if this needs to be out there but um i i did it because i thought it was you know if anything it would give people something to think about in terms of their own lives and that they could say oh you know Eric Melvin felt that too, or something. Eric Melvin knows that's what that's like. I don't think there was really any repercussions that I could see or hear or heard about. But um, I do remember that shortly after the book came out, uh, Chino, the singer of the Deftones, like we've known each other for a long time because we did Warp Tour back in like the 90s together. So there's like lot of history we'd always see each other totally friendly but this time we saw each other and he came up to me and he gave me the hugest hug and he like held me for like a really long time and i was kind of like hey bud good to see you too and i thought oh i think i know what this is about this is about my my chapter in in the book isn't it and like wow and um i think he said something about it after but not a lot. And it was just, it felt like, oh, wow, I'm, I, this touched him too. So that was great. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, when we were talking in Devon, I mentioned to you that I'd just seen the Agnostic Front documentary and the singer Roger opens up about some similar stuff in that. And I was talking to you about it. And I mean, have you had, I'm not asking you to name musicians, but have you had a lot of just, fans and people in the public approach you either online or in real life and say like thank you or i went because that must be you say there's kind of you know you've got reservations about going that deep but then to, to go there and have that kind of a response must be the most beautiful rewarding 
incredible thing. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I had a, a, quite a few people and especially on that book tour where I talked to fans and they said, you know, that that happened to me too, or something similar happened to me, or, you know, they would tell me more specifics. And uh, yeah, that was rewarding to, to give people, you know, I, I felt more as well, just out of my own personal feelings that I wasn't, I was really not as alone as I thought. And I, I knew I wasn't, I knew that happened all over the world all the time, unfortunately. And that, um, and in some situations much worse, you know, I, I, I kind of consider myself lucky in a way and you know, that it only, only was as bad as it was yet it still has affected me, you know, right down to my core. What, and I still find ways where I'm like, oh yeah, there, there's that thing rearing its head again. Um, and uh, it's a terrible thing. Uh, and, and having, knowing that there's other people out there that have had to deal with it. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't have time to have the deep conversations so much, you know. I'm uh, not sure that, that I needed to, but just knowing that, you know, it's out there and other people are feeling it and I'm helping them sort of connect with themselves, I guess. Sometimes those things are unspoken as well, aren't they? I can't speak to that specific example, but there are times I think when the Chino example being a case in point, you go through something, somebody else talks about going through the same thing and you're, you know, there's common ground between you. There's a bond, an unspoken bond. Yeah, it seems. I haven't seen them since, I don't think. Um, so I'm wondering if, you know, if we see each other, how, if our relationship will have changed at all. I mean, I'm, it's always great seeing him and the rest of the guys. I always feel like there's a, a really good bond, a lot of good history. So, you know, we'll see. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. Have you got any good warp top stories, Melvin? Any good warp tour stories? Any warped, <laughs> if I can get my words out, warped tour stories. Because, I mean, you guys were kind of like the godfathers of that tour for a while, right? You and Rancid and... Yeah, yeah, Rancid, Bad Religion. We did a couple of them together. I think just maybe Bad Religion did, a, did a more than Rancid um, with us. What's your favorite warp memory, if you had to pick one? They must all blur, right? Because there's just hundreds. They do. I know. I don't know if I can think of any. I, I can, Let's see. I mean, this is so, it's funny. I don't know. It's tough. We, we had a, we had like a kitty pool, you know, like a blow up little pool. that was like 10 feet diameter that we would set up and fill up with a hose. And then at the end of the night, you know, everybody would be sort of like getting in and out of this thing. And it was sort of like your <laughs> the bath and it became pretty gross pretty quick, but we did it like every day and there'd be kind of people hanging around and so like being around this pool. But for some reason, I remember maybe even more, oh gosh, a couple of things coming out. I remember being in Florida and we rented jet skis. And for some reason, I remember Fletcher being there and us just going out into the ocean. Every good story has to involve Fletcher, doesn't it? <laughs> right, right. I mean, Fletcher's got some incredible, incredible stories that I've heard, you know, and um, yeah, that guy's good. Like, no fear. I need to do one of these with him. I think he'd just be such a fun guy to peel open. And <laughs> and he's not just about like doing something ridiculously 
dangerous. He's very deep thinker and very um, gets how people operate and connect with each other. So I'm always like so happy when I get a chance to sit down with him because he's got some real deep things going on with him. He's a one of a kind dude, isn't he? Sure is, you know, so big and so scary and yet so, so deep and like a monk, you know, and the way he thinks about life. Very cool. Yeah. So we were like on jet skis just in the ocean around Florida. And I remember being really choppy and there was, you know, it was always kind of crazy stormy in the summer in Florida. And, uh, you know, that was kind of it. I just remember doing that, uh, there was a show we did in Minneapolis, I think it was, and it was literally rained out. Like, I think the, sh- I mean, it was, it was raining so hard and everything was flooded and there was still people there, but there was like the power went off or only some of the power was working and it was kind of a disaster. But we, a bunch of us got up on stage anyway and just sort of played in between it had, you know, the rain kind of was died down a little bit. Everything's still dripping. Um, we just played some songs. I don't remember what, and it was like, what were they called? Ah, Jurassic Five guys were there, and and No Effects, and yeah, I still say I like Charlie Tuna is like a legend. I love him. That 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 tone that he has, incredible. Yeah, yeah, incredible. I, 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 we haven't crossed paths. I don't think hardly at all since then but like here and there and through the internet and funny other things so and he's doing this art thing too this punk rock and paintbrushes he did some of that and we did some of that so my wife and i did that together so yeah yeah i I see posters for those all the time and it always looks like just the coolest collection of people ever whether it's cab or you know yourself your wife as you say tim armstrong it just seems like the coolest group of people. They must be great vibes, those things. Yeah, it's holy. Absolutely. There was so much planned in this past year that didn't happen. But you know, but uh she Emily, who is punk rock and paintbrushes, she is a warp tour like, you know, graduate as well. Alumni. <laughs> yeah, alumni. Thank you. And she uh you know, there there was a thing she's singing. She's hoping she'll be noticed as a singer. How's being a parent changed your life, Melvin? Oh, man. So great. I love it. Yeah, yeah. You love it? Yeah. It was a little hard trying to balance my love for going on tour with, you know, my love of my kids. Because obviously being on tour and being in Europe and being in a beautiful little town in Germany on a river, um, playing a show that night is, is incredible. But then, you know, being at home and watching my three or three and a half year old, you know, drawing in chalk and like she wrote mom, you know, in chalk. And it's like, I didn't think she could write, you know, how did she do that? You know? So like, I don't want to miss any of those moments and I don't want to miss any of those moments. Uh, I also, well, I have a 10 year old boy and a seven year old boy from my uh, first marriage and we're divorced and that's terribly high conflict still. Um, but um, around the, those boys being born, I started seeing everybody adults that they at one time were like a five-year-old kid 
And, um, you know, and have we changed at all? You know, uh, have we changed for the better at all? And, you know, not necessarily having to qualify it as good or bad, but trying to see people like that and maybe even trying to connect with the five-year-old in them or the seven-year-old or whatever it is that seems right. And I, I like love that. And it also kind of like gives a, sometimes when people do horrible things, um, I also see them as like a five-year-old crying out for attention or crying out against the abuse that they themselves had to face. And I, I don't want to, you know, every situation is different. Every person is different. Um, and uh, I haven't really done much more thinking on any of that, except for right there. And like that everybody was a five-year-old kid at one time. So uh, um, that's came out of parenting, you know? Um, and I think when you get to that place in parenting, maybe you see the world differently, you know? Uh, yeah what a trip i mean i'm not a parent myself but i'm at the age where all my friends are well not starting to become that they're, they're pretty much all parents now and it's cool it's uh, you know you have to sort of for a while just go well there goes like youthful folly <laughs> there goes my homies they'll never be the same again but then you see them grow and rise to the role and how it changes them and improves them and makes them just like I don't know, infinitely richer and happier. And I see, I see that. And it's not for me, I don't think, but I see it and I, I love it. I, I love it. And others. How old are you, Matt? How old are you? 35. Yeah, lots of time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I was 44. So. 44 when you had your first. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. There is loads of time then. Yeah. Loads of time. And uh, yeah, these girls were born. I turned 50 that same year when these girls were born. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a trip. Dude, this has been amazing, man. This has been so great. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for letting me ramble. And I really loved, loved our conversation. Thanks so much. It was the real deal. Um, I just want to say at the end, thank you for the music. I had to say it to Mike. I've got to say it to you. Like... I just released a book last year. That was what I spent my lockdown year doing. And it was based on conversations from this show, threaded together, and each chapter was a different topic. And so there was a punk rock chapter. And I talk in the introduction to that just about how as a kid at school, I discovered your band. And it, I say in the book, it was like a Wizard of Oz moment. The world for me went from black and white to Technicolor. And I just saw my path. And even though I never wound up playing in bands, it was that same philosophy and attitude and outlook and approach that I saw you guys taking towards music and life that really fed into what what continues to be my path to this day and I wouldn't be doing this show if it wasn't for you guys and the knowledge that you passed on so um thank you dude thanks for thanks for everything uh, yeah thanks so much. thanks well, let's keep in touch, dude. Um, I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be around. I know we were, we talked about, I think I, did I get your number? I think I've got your email. Is it, 
Well, I won't read it out on the show, but I've got, I've got your email. I'll drop you an email after we get off this, and then uh, yeah, we'll we'll stay in touch. This will be going up next week as well. And yeah, I wanted to con- connect with you because my electronic music project uh, has has I- I'm ready to release some music, and I wanted I, I wanted to since then actually connect with you and think and ask you and get your pulse, get you to take a pulse on it for me for like where you think it can go and right on. Yeah, so I, I really love that. And Could we play any tracks on this show next week, or would that be too soon? Uh, no, a little too soon. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to figure out. All right. But yeah, send me some, and I'll check it out. Yeah, okay. I will. I'd love to. Cool. All right. We're going to go. I'll hit you up now on the email, and I look forward to hearing the music. And uh, dude, thanks for an amazing conversation. Yeah, thank you. It's been great. All right, see you. Cheers, Melvin. What the fuck? What the Not that there's anything wrong with that.